Well, hello, everyone. It's so good to be at church with you. You're celebrating church at home, and we're together. And I want to say hello to everybody that's uh, here joining through watch parties, or you're joining individually, or you're together with your family. Wherever you are, we're so glad to be here. Hey, have I ever told you the story about the time where I baptized the lead singer of a famous rock band? Have I ever told you that story? I'll get to that in a second. Right now, what I want to do is I want to ask you a question, okay? I want you to write down the name of someone that's dear to you, that's close to you, that's someone that you really care about, that's not a Christian, that you'd like to become a Christian in the next year. Can you go ahead right now and write their name down, maybe on your phone, or if you could, maybe cryptically, you could put their name in the comments. Like, this is someone that you really deeply care about. And it would just be incredible. It would be awesome. It would be so amazing if they could become a Christian over the next year. Now, our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples. And so this should be really on our minds and on our hearts and in our prayer list every single day when you're reading a chapter of the Bible and then you're praying. I have a list that I go through of people I'm praying for. You want to be praying for that friend every single day. Now, with that person in mind, I want to tell you a story, all right? And this is not the, the band story. Uh, when we first moved here 20 years ago uh, to the suburbs of Philadelphia to start this church, our youngest was, gosh, what, a year? A year, and uh, our middle daughter was four and... Our oldest was halfway through first grade. And uh, when spring came, I said, we want to go on a hike up into the Poconos. And uh, I picked out Ricketts Glen. Now, Ricketts Glen is about two, two and a half hours from us. It's north of Bloomberg. Uh, For those of you who are around the country or different places of the world, it's just, it's way up in the Poconos. So we drove up there. Ricketts Glen is known for over 20 beautiful waterfalls. And I didn't know this, but basically the hike goes down and then it comes straight back up. And so I just remember the hike was amazing going down because it was so easy going down. But once we started going back up, I just remember uh, I was carrying my one-year-old already. uh, But my four-year-old and my six-year-old were like, that's it, we're done. And so basically, I had to carry them up the mountain, up, up to the back of the top, to the top of the trailhead. And so here's the question that I have. What would you have thought of me as a parent if I told them no and I just left them down there? If I just completely let them fend for themselves and, you know, the black bears and the coyotes and that sort of thing, they, they would have completely, it would have been unthinkable, obviously. No loving parent would ever just leave their child to fend for themselves. But that's what we do when people become Christians. And then we sort of say, hey, peace out. You're on your own. They've made the most important decision of their entire life. And you were there to help facilitate that decision. But you weren't there to see it through. Now, I want you to write this down. When a friend becomes a Christian, your work isn't over, it's just begun. Let me repeat that. When your friend has become a Christian, your work isn't over, your work has just started. Uh, Stephen Covey wrote a book 
um, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He had a follow-up book where he talked about priorities. This was a lesser-known book. I think it was his better book. And he talked about how we need to keep, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Like whenever you start something new, whenever you find yourself struggling, whenever you don't know what direction to go and you're having trouble making a decision, you always go back, what is the, what's the thing we're trying to solve here? Individually, as a family, as a church. And COVID has really thrown all of us for a loop. And I just felt like I just needed, just for today, this is a, a one-week talk, not connected to anything else. I felt that we just needed to go back and revisit what's the main thing that we're trying to do as Christians. And we're going to look at a very simple scripture verse, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Let me read it for you. Paul says, we, and Paul's talking about himself and his band of uh, church planners that he's traveling with, we proclaim him, referring to Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That when we get to heaven, all of these people that we've helped become Christians and they've been baptized, we want to present these people to Jesus fully mature. And then he adds this, to this end, so can I accomplish, so I can, so I can, <laughs> so I can accomplish this. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now, I want you to uh, look in your Bibles, and I want you to underline that phrase, fully mature in Christ. It's the Greek word telos. We get our word telescope from it, where we're looking at the end of something. So to be fully mature, Paul is saying, is I'm not looking at when they were baptized I'm looking at the end of their life and looking back this way. And I'm looking at all of the things that they have overcome. I'm looking at all of the ways that they've grown and matured. That is the goal. That is what I'm looking for. Over uh, Christmas, uh, the kids, when everybody was coming in from all over the country, they said, hey, dad, get a puzzle. So uh, are you a puzzle maker? Uh, I got this puzzle. I um, went to the store and um, I got this thousand piece puzzle. And this thing was a bear. This it was a picture, I don't know, some New England picture of, the, of water and a boat and that sort of thing. And it was funny, over the next five days, over Christmas break, it was like, man, we were wrestling this thing to the ground. There were pieces that were too hard to find. And like, we're there hours trying to solve this puzzle. But you and I both know that there's a secret to getting a head start on a puzzle. And what is it? You know the head start, right? Is you put the outer edge first. You get the outer edge first, and then you work inward. And that's what happens when we help someone become a Christian. When they get baptized into Christ, their sins are forgiven. They've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now they have brothers and sisters in Christ around them. They only have the outer edges of this beautiful picture and story that God is going to tell through their life. And it's up to you to be there with them to help the inner parts of this 
come together. They're just not going to be able to do that on their own. That we, there's this verse in the Bible at the end of the Gospel of Matthew that Christians call this a great commission where Jesus said, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go, make disciples of all the nations, all the pagans, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then look what he says, and teaching them to obey everything. Like, they have to be taught. I had to be taught how to obey to do certain things that Jesus wanted me to do. I had to be taught. So what's this passage teaching us? When a friend becomes a Christian, your work isn't over. It's just begun. Now, one of the coolest things that happens at our church, we've had since the beginning, uh, since we're a church that is intent on growing through converts, we're our interest is, has never been to get Christians to come in from other churches and have our church grow that way. We want to grow through conversion growth, people that are coming to faith for the first time. And one of the coolest things that we see here at CCV is that when someone is ready to take that step to become a disciple of Jesus and get baptized, they ask the question, how do I do this? And I say, well, you know, and then I talk to them about baptism and And uh, then I immediately say, who is the friend that was most instrumental in helping you get to this point? And they'll say, oh, it's easy. It was my friend, Jessica. And I'm like, well, I want Jessica to be the one that will baptize you. I'll tell Jessica what to say and what to do. But I want that moment to be encapsulated in your mind and in your memory that it wasn't some professional pastor that went to seminary. It was someone like Jessica. It was someone like my friend Darren that came along by my side, building on the foundation that my parents had already set and my youth pastor had already set. But it was Darren that sealed the deal and, and, and helped me come to Christ. And that's our mission, is for all of us to do that with all of our friends. And what an opportunity we have to do that now during this COVID situation. But I want you to remember... As amazing as it is to baptize your friend that you've helped become a a Christian, that's just the beginning. You've, You've put the outer edges together of their picture, and now you need to help her and you need to help him grow into full completion in Christ. Um, so there was a guy who was a a part of a band and uh, he was the lead singer and I uh, had the opportunity to build a relationship with him when I lived in Florida. And I'm not going to tell you the name of the band because you're going to think that I hobnob with famous celebrities, which I just want to say, hey, Ed Sheeran, Jay-Z, if you need a pastor, I'm your guy, okay? I got you. You have your people, contact my people, and I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. Now, the fact that I don't have people, don't let that get in the way, okay? But you contact my people, I'll take care of you. Anyway, I'm having this conversation with this guy. This over probably about seven-month period of time, I eventually baptized him in the church. He didn't want to wait. We did it right in the middle of the week, and we went right into the baptistry, and I baptized him. A week later, he's getting ready to go back out on the road. And I said at lunch, hey, you know you're different now. Your sins have been forgiven. Everything you've ever done has been buried under the cross. You have the Holy Spirit, which is now going to give you the strength to resist sin. Now you have this family of people who are going to be there for you. You have to live for Christ. And he said, hey, Brian, 
I already beat you to the punch. Uh, I have already, here's the commitment I'm making to you right now. I'm only going to sleep with one girl after one concert every single night, and I am not going to do any heavy drugs. And I was just like, and he was like, are you saying I can't sleep with anybody? I was like, yeah. Are you saying I can't do any drugs? I was like, yeah. Pot? Yeah. You're telling me I can't smoke a joint? I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. And then I pulled the Bible out. And I said, it's not me. I want to read to you a section of the of 1 Peter, a, a, a letter that was written to Christians who were struggling with the very, very issue that you're struggling with right now. Now that you're a new Christian, how should you live? And this is what the Apostle Peter, the advice that he gave people that were in your shoes in the first century. Peter said, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude, like this, this attitude of aggression. I'm going to go after my faith. It's not going to be passive. I am going to grow. I'm going to read. I'm going to learn. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to join groups. I'm going to get into classes. I'm going to read. I am going to arm myself with this attitude. Since Jesus was willing to go all in, I'm going to go all in. But since Jesus suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because those who have suffered in their bodies are done with sin. As a result, this is you, They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you, he's speaking to you now, talking to my friend, you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery. Debauchery is a Bible word for a whole bunch of stupid stuff. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. I'm telling my friend, this is exactly what you've been doing after your concert, right? They're surprised that you do not join them with their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. These are your bandmates and your friends, or what's going to happen? But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, Peter says. And Peter's like, what a great opportunity. Just by, you don't have to say a word, but just be different, and people are going to look at you. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of Christians who have joined us for church today, and you've actually never heard that passage. You've actually never realized that you need to be all in, game on, arm yourself with this attitude that the stuff that I used to do, I should not do it anymore because I'm trying to reach the people that I used to do it with. Listen, in the the passage in Colossians, Paul says, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching. And to this end, I strenuously contend. It's the Greek word agonizomai. It's it's the word that was used to describe a fight and a gladiator that was in a stadium. Now, because we're streaming the service, I can't show you a picture from the movie Gladiator, or I would. But I want you to imagine you in your friend that you helped become a Christian, you're in the Roman Colosseum and they have let lions and bears go and you have been armed with a spear and your friend has not and you have to protect that person. That's agonizomai. I strenuously contend for my friend that I, was, that I just baptized here. My friend that I'm helping to grow in the faith. Now, there's a few reasons why we need to do this. 
Number one, if we do not strenuously contend for our friends, if we just say, peace out, you're done, you're on your own, number one, they just might fall away. They might abandon the faith altogether. Matthew 13, Jesus tells the story. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. That describes your friend right now. That has no root. When I became a Christian, I was uh, super, incredibly passionate about evangelizing my friends. I saw one of my friends in high school. This was right after high school who was at a pizza place. It was two in the morning and I just sat down with him and I explained what it meant to be a Christian. And he was like, I'm in. And I'm like, cool. And we broke into my church that I was going to. We literally broke into the church through the window, climbed in through the window, got into the baptistry and I baptized them. And I was so excited. I was so excited for him. But you know what? Today he's not even a Christ follower has no interest in Jesus. And you know why? Because I thought my job was done getting him baptized. My job had just started. There were so many things. What I should have done is what my friend Darren did with me over a period of years. Becoming my friend, not judging me, genuinely caring for me, checking up with me, praying for me, sharing things that he struggled with which allowed me to feel comfortable opening up with things that I struggled with. And it just became this relationship that allowed me to grow. Darren helped my parents essentially put the pieces together on the outside. Darren brought the pieces together in the middle. And you can do that for someone. That's what we want to remind ourselves here. Our goal is not just to reach people and baptize them but to put the pieces together and help them begin to reflect the image of Christ. So the first thing is they could fall away. But the second thing is they could become bad PR for God, right? Like Titus 2, the apostle Paul is talking about, hey, you must teach what is appropriate for sound doctrine. In other words, you need to tell people how to live, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and endurance, And look what it says, so that in every way you will be making the teaching about God our Savior attractive. I remember one time I was having dinner with a friend of mine. He was a pastor of a large mega church in Denver. His name's Alan Algram. And Alan and I were talking about some of the worst times were our friends, where we were trying to get them to come to church, the worst Sundays for them to show up. And I said, yeah, I was, I was sharing my faith with a friend. And he came up and he came to church in the middle of a giving series, right? That's the worst possible time, right? He was like, oh, I got you beat. I, he's balanced said, I was doing a sermon on uh, the qualifications for elders. And if you don't know what that is, uh, basically the pastors that lead churches have to have uh, lifestyle uh, characteristics that they meet. And there's a whole list in 1 Timothy 1 Timothy 3 and and Titus 1. And so Alan said, I'm preaching through this list. I'm like, my friends are going to be so bored as they're listening to this. They're going to be bored to tears. He said, but at the end of the service, he said, my three business friends came up to me. They were all business owners. And they were like, Alan, that's one of the greatest things we've ever heard in church. 
And Helen's like, why? And he said, because we discovered for the very first time that when someone is a leader in a church, there's lifestyle expectations for these people. He was like, I can't tell you how many times we've done business with someone and they were crooked and unethical and they, you know, uh, bent corners. And, and I'm just elated that the church has character expectations for people. Now, when a friend becomes a Christian, your work isn't over. If they fall away, they're going to end up sort of like still remembering Jesus and talking about Jesus, but they're not going to live for it. And so they're going to be out there in the world rubbing shoulders with people saying, hey, I believe in Jesus, but they're not exactly committed to it. And we obviously don't want that. I can point to two major influences in my life outside of my family that have helped me. One, as I mentioned, my friend Darren. The other one is um, our mentor for Lisa and I, Dr. Stephen Pattison and his wife, Julie, when we went to school at Kentucky Christian University in undergraduate school, when Lisa and I were dating, they took us under their wing and we studied together and we had weekly meals together. They gave us books to read. Lisa could talk to Julie. I could talk to Dr. Pattison. And they both understood innately when a friend becomes a Christian, your work isn't over, it's just begun. And we attribute a lot of what we've been able to accomplish for the kingdom to those people. And what I want to do is just simply challenge you. You could become that person for someone. You could become the person that people look back 20, 30 years from now and say, yeah, when I was in high school, my friend Robbie, or yeah, when I was in high school, my friend Jackie, like she was the one that helped me. How amazing would that be to affect them and their family and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren? You can do that. That is the main thing to make more and better disciples. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the way you're working in our lives, that we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be pointed in the right direction and we have to be trying. And God, call us back to center. Call us back to mission. Call us back to keep the main thing the main thing, to make more and better disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.